Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure. Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at uh, ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Sportsbet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sportsbet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. Sportsbet Montana is a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized Sportsbet Montana location or by using the Sportsbet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since Sportsbet Montana launched almost a year ago, and in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. Sportsbet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized Sportsbet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. How many Scrixon golf balls were sold in the last 24 hours? How bad do you want a painting of Dave Dickinson? How bad do I want a redshirt freshman to start a quarterback for the Montana Grizzlies? <laughs> we'll answer all that here in hour two. Nuana is now 1029 ESPN Missoula Statewide Television, SWX Montana TV, Riley Corcoran, voice of the Grizz, joining me, Coulter Nuanas. And before we talk a little bit more Grizz football, and I, I, I'm just trying to be a, a good radio host and tease the content, I'm actually not fully sure of my analysis on the Grizz quarterback position. And I do think that uh, it's human nature to um, always give a little bit of credit, maybe unfounded credit, to the guy you haven't seen as much. We're seeing it happen in the NFL draft right now. I mean, Zach Wilson has one year of Mountain West tape, and he's going to be the number two overall pick, whereas Justin Fields has been like the number one quarterback in his class since he's a sophomore in high school, and he's plummeting down draft boards. So I only have seen Chris Brown throw eight passes in real-life football, and most of them were, and all of them were against a Division II school. Most of them were not even against our first string. So that's I, I'm purely uh, just trying to have a little fun here because I do think Cam Humphrey is solid. I'm just, I'm, I, I want to know what the ceiling is. And so we'll get into that here in a minute. But 
amazing and atypical and probably never going to happen again. Unless, I don't know, maybe you heard Bobby Houck say there in, in segment number one. By the way, if you missed anything in the first hour, you can find it on the podcast, 1029ESPN.com, or on all your podcasting platforms. Podcast proudly presented by Blackfoot Communications and the Wingate by Wyndham Hotel. But regardless, um, Bobby Houck did say that he liked the, the spring game against someone else. And I think this could become a trend. But it was also a spring game on the eve of Masters Sunday, something maybe we'll never experience again. But um, first, before we get into the Masters, I mean, I thought it was cool to watch him play another. I know this is an atypical time, but I think if you could have, if they could figure out a way of the NCAA to change it where you had, let's say, 10 to 12 spring football practices, and then you get one or two game weeks where it's not necessarily like a spring ball or a fall ball, but you actually can do game prep for a game or two, I think that would be ideal in terms of the development of guys, and then you could actually play other opponents, right? Yes, this was an idea that was thrown out there and during all the, the COVID pandemic times, you're just like, okay, well, this is a really cool idea. Would it actually stick in? Probably not. Well, now that this is coming into reality and we are seeing it, playing the, why wouldn't they do this? For why, sure. why wouldn't they? It's great for everyone involved. It creates more excitement for football and, and the programs that are competing in this. It, it gives a reward at the end to what might be a couple weeks of mundane practices. Exactly. And you get to showcase your, I mean, you get to showcase what you've worked on, number one. And number two, you can pick a variety of different ways you want to do it. Do you want to play up and take a paycheck? Some schools might do that. Central Washington's case, they did. Do, if you're a Grizz team or anyone in the big sky, do you play a Division II school to get a more of a glorified scrimmage, let's just call it? Or do you do the perfect scenario, which is what Montana and Portland State are doing, and look at your 2021 schedule and find a conference opponent that you aren't playing in the fall? Now, that is where the brilliance really comes into it for me because this is a matchup we're not going to see in the fall of 2021. It's two teams that we both highly regard, at least in top half of the Big Sky Conference. So, yes, the, the long answer to your short question is, yes, this should absolutely stick. And now that we're in the, the thick of it, it, it's a great idea. I mean, in April, in a normal April, in a normal year, I mean, this should create a lot of excitement, not only because of the long layoff, but just in general. And from a developmental standpoint, too, then you get to engage in an actual game week, which is important for your guys because as much – it's like I've heard so many coaches say, we practice this game, practice and train for these games 200-plus days a year, and then we only get 11 game weeks and 11 actual showcase performances per year. Even if you are the most prolific football player in the history of the world, you're going to play 50 games in college. That's it. Yeah. You only have 50 game weeks where you have you know a Monday breakdown, a Tuesday prep, a third, you know Wednesday install, Thursday walkthrough, all that stuff. And I think that the, even just the two extra is invaluable for young guys. And I think also there's a lot of people out there, and I totally understand this from the health and safety side of things as far as well, you're banging them up. Well, let me just tell you, for, for the physicality, that is going on in these practices anyway, when they're going ones versus ones, the injuries can literally happen at any time. So to try and pinhole it and say, well, because they're going to play one real game or two real games in the spring, I don't really buy into that narrative because I just feel that, I mean, look at Marcus Knight. I mean, the injuries can happen in practice in a non-contact injury. You never know when it's going to happen. No, you don't. So that argument to not have these games, I just don't think is as valid because obviously it, it can happen at any time and everyone's pumped up to play. And you could sense it. Those clips that you played in the press conference and even now, this week, guys are saying, man, I haven't been sore from a football game in a while. Well, this is good to understand what it feels like when you get into the fold in October, November. Here's another angle too, Coulter. These younger guys that are freshmen, Coach Houck said it in our post-game interview, that there were guys that you saw in the second half 
that will be redshirting in the fall, but this is another chance for them to get reps. So I know it's very easy to say, oh, of course, he's going to take the Grizz angle, but the way that they did this with the two games of one being a game where you can get your depth in there, we saw a lot of twos, threes, and fours in in the second half, and then to have it as a precursor to what is a very good quality game coming up this weekend, it's just ideal across the board. Let's talk some Masters. 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Nuana is now Riley Corcoran, voice of the Grizz, joining me, Coulter Nuanez. And if you didn't hear or you weren't watching yesterday, and I guess that's where we'll start. I don't want to start with a, you know, quote-unquote negative tone, but I do think that, uh, you know, the, the golf nerds of the world, you and I and my brother, we were watching this because we know all the guys and we like all the guys and you know, professional golf is what it is. And I love watching the PGA no matter what. I love uh, rising stars like what's his, what's our boy's name? Will Zalatoris. Zalatoris. Will Zalatoris, yes. a.k.a. Happy Gilmore's caddy. <laughs> that was awesome. Uh, I got to love it. But um, I do think there was maybe less eyes on Sunday at the Masters yesterday than, than there has been in the past for a couple reasons. One. Seven of the 19 top players in the world missed the cut. You know, Dustin Johnson, um, Brooks Kepka, Rory McIlroy, Lee Westwood. I mean, a lot of the best players were, were not there. And a lot of the star power was not there. Obviously, Tiger not in the Masters. Tiger Woods not in the Masters because of his injuries. So that hurts as well. Um, and, then, and then I think that the guys that were towards the top, I mean, Zal Torres is a good story, and everybody's having fun on Twitter. You know, him looking like the 25-year-old anniversary of Happy Gilmore's caddy. But, you know, very few people know who Xander Shoffley is, even though he has been in the mix the last couple of years. And very few people know who Hideki Matsuyama is as well. And I think Justin Rose, Mark Leishman, like those names, people know them, but they are bit. getting your average fan to the TV for it. And, and it's hard to obviously find the reason to a TV rating or, or the excitement. And I totally think that's valid. When you look at the first page of the leaderboard from Saturday to Sunday, okay, well, who can I gravitate towards? There's no Tiger. There's no Phil. There, there's none of those big names that we all know. Where was Ricky Fowler? Didn't even make the field. He's had wow. that bad of a year. He didn't even qualify for the field. But also, Coulter, and I, and I think this might even be more relevant than the names that were on the board. It was just the fact that the lead was so big that we sure. really didn't have drama until the final four holes. Yeah. I mean, Matsuyama was just in control. And, and I mean, a couple of years ago, Francesco Molinari had the exact same scenario. But guess what? Tiger Woods was chasing him. Right. And then Molinari puts it in the water on 12, and we have a back nine that we're never going to forget. It's really hard to live to those expectations. And to have the perfect storm every year of the best golf tournament at the best course, with the best TV coverage. You can't always have the best field with drama on the back nine. That would be a perfect scenario. But as far as just the excitement level, it's interesting. What, where would you lean? Is it more the name or the lack of names on the leaderboard? Or was it the margin of the league going into the final day that would maybe cause the casual fan to not flip it on? Well, I think the, I think the casual fan gravitates towards uh, personalities, uh, volatility, and style. And I think that the guys that were played in the last couple of groups have none of those. Uh, as guys that play golf all the time like we are, we have bad respect for that because that's what makes you so good. I mean, Hideki Matsuyama is a metronome. I mean, his ball striking is unparalleled. I mean, the, how consistent he is. But I think that part of the brilliance of some of the guys like Tiger Woods or, or Phil Mickelson or Ricky Fowler or even back in the day, you know, Greg Norman, it's the whole gri- John Daly, the grip it, rip it. The You know, I, I hit it. 49 yards off the left side of the fairway, and now I got this impossible shot, but then I hit a you know 245-yard four-iron pipe through the trees right up to the fringe of the green or whatever. It's the 
the agony and the ecstasy that brings in the 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 uh, the common fan. You know, Ricky Fowler. Ricky Fowler's never won a major. Ricky Fowler's only won a handful of tournaments. But Ricky Fowler's been a household name because of his bright clothes and his branding, and and he's always right there. But it's more the image than anything else. And so I do think that it, it was not necessarily a super marketable Masters Sunday. But that said, I think it was a very um, impressive effort by Matsuyama because if you follow golf in depth. You know, and Kevin Van Volkenberg, who's a Missoula native who now writes for ESPN.com, a lot of PGA stuff. And he's one of my favorite follows on Twitter because he always has great feature stories and great commentary about all the stuff that's going on. But he was tweeting about how Matsuyama has been one of the top ball strikers and one of the best in terms of fairway to green on the tour for about half a dozen years. He also was fifth to last in putting efficiency last year. And so that was Van Valkenburg's tweet on Sunday morning was, Matsuyama has a big lead, but just remember, he's one of the worst putters on the tour, so anything can happen. Well, then Matsuyama was lights out with the putter for the first 13 holes, but then he shanks one in the water, and all of a sudden, I guess it was the first 14 holes, because then all of a sudden, um, he had the epic shot on 15, which... He missed that by 40 yards. If you ever play Tiger Woods, the Masters... Heck yeah. That's which they're the, coming out with a new game next year, by the way. Yeah, Sidebar, that's, that's one of the, uh, the shots you have to make, is the second shot on 15... Because you have to go for it, but there's water on the front, water on the back. If you don't land it right, it's going to roll into the water. It's exactly what happened to Matsuyama, and then all of a sudden, the meltdown's on. But Xander Shoffley completely hooked up Matsuyama by himself, then going yard and going in the water on 16 and taking a triple. Brutal. I mean, that was like a $500,000 triple bogey. Yeah, more. I think they said six hundred and seventy grand <laughs> is what it turned out to be by tripling. So, I mean... We were waiting all day for drama, and, and the number is with these guys from a mental standpoint, and even, hey, even if it's me or you playing match play uh, down the road, once you get within two, things get different because a two-shot swing on a hole is likely. Yes, someone can birdie it. Someone can bogey it. That's very likely. Are we going to see many double bogeys or more in the final round at, at the Masters? Not really. So when that happens, you need to take your advantage of it. And that was the first time we got it within two. I thought what was interesting was Xander's commentary afterwards. He still he went on with a smile, said he flushed the shot, felt it was great. It was just a bad judgment of the wind that came up with a gust, and he doesn't regret anything. But that was our only hint of drama. And with the way that Matsuyama was kind of on a banana peel, I would describe it, he was, he was holding on for dear life, it seemed like, after being so solid for three and a half days, was if Shoffley just puts that thing on the green... The pressure's still on Matsuyama. Up by two with a couple to go. And again, he only ended up winning by one. Oh, Shoffley loses by three with the triple bogey that cost him 670 grand. So don't feel bad the next time that we're playing for a buck and you maybe put one in the water on 17 or something like that. <laughs> and uh, it, it cost you because it'll, it'll be less than what happened to Xander. Nuked it. <laughs> You need a place to watch the Grizz game on Saturday. Head on down to the Silver Slipper. They have 55 TVs for you to watch all the sports, whether it's the NFL, college football, the NBA, Major League Baseball, the NHL. Silver Slipper has it on for you. Drink specials every day, 20 Kino machines, a liquor store, and Tarantino's Pizza. There's nowhere else you should be watching your favorite team. At the Slipper, it's all about great food, tasty drinks, and the urge to have a good time. Stop by today and see why the Silver Slipper is one of Montana's best-kept secrets. Nuana is now 1029 ESPN Missoula, statewide television, SWX Montana TV. Riley Corcoran, voice of the Grizz, with me, Coulter Nuanas. You do this every Monday and Tuesday here. I do it every Monday through Friday, but Riley swings by every Monday and Tuesday. So here's a couple interesting things, though. Uh, Hideki Matsuyama's from Japan. 
I was reading all about Japanese golf as the second nine was uh, un- unfolding. In the United States, there's 16,400 roughly golf courses, but the United States is also about 3.5 million square miles. Japan has 3,100 golf courses in it, but Japan has only 146,000 square miles. Japan has one of the great population densities on planet Earth, and they say per capita and per square mile, Japan actually has more golf courses than anywhere else in the country, and or anywhere else anywhere. in the world, excuse me, and that per capita, that, that golf is considered more popular per person that lives in a country than any other country on earth. And you wouldn't have known that at all before yesterday. I certainly didn't. Exactly. And so there's been a couple Japanese players to make it onto the PGA Tour. This is almost all exclusively in post-World War II. So golf has only been in Japan for probably a little more than half a century. And so uh, Hideki Matsuyama yesterday was the first Japanese man to win a major. He was. All, it also made him the winningest uh, Asian golfer, as far as someone that's from the continent of Asia in the history of uh, golf. Obviously, Tiger Woods has Asian uh, roots because of his mother, but as far as someone that's from Asia, Matsuyama, that was his 14th PGA win yesterday, so that makes him the winningest Asian ever in the American PGA Tour. 29 years old. And so he still has some time, and this could be a breakthrough moment or not. Sometimes we see these guys break through, and then they can't handle the pressure of repeating the breakthrough. Also, though, sometimes we see them break through, and then it's sort of a watershed where they then compete for majors over and over and over again. But uh, I I kept thinking a couple things. One, how stars in Japan, the way that they are covered, especially sports stars, is insane. I mean, we think that the overexposure in America is crazy. I mean, sure, we might be having tabloids and taking pictures of James Harden when he's at the grocery store <laughs> with Kim Kardashian or whatever. But if you look, read the Japanese press, I mean, they have like 60 people just in the Tokyo area that are covering Matsuyama. That's it. And they're writing about everything from his shoelace choice to the fact that he's gained weight since he moved to America. I mean, they're analyzing like... If this guy's shirt is tucked in properly, it's insane the way that they analyze it. So all I kept thinking was twofold. One, this guy is getting off the plane because he returned to Tokyo today. This guy's going to get off the plane today to such an unbelievable welcoming, such unbelievable fanfare. But also, how's he going to navigate the rest of the summer? Because now he is absolutely the biggest star in Japan for at least a moment in time. He's a, a soft spoken star, as super well. soft spoken, and he does not like the spotlight that much? Well, that is going to change. And I think that there was a really good point made throughout the course of the broadcast on Saturday and Sunday that this was the perfect year for him to come out on top because there was no media allowed on the grounds at Augusta. So he didn't feel that pressure weighing in on him more. I'll never forget it. 2017 PGA Championship, and I think this this provides good perspective on it. It was at Quail Hollow, and Matsuyama had the lead going into the back nine of a major. He bogeyed five of the final nine holes, lost it, and was physically, he was weeping as he was talking to a Japanese reporter. And the weight of a country is, I mean, that that seems just like a, a phrase that you throw out there. That is the absolute truth. And there's not many other players that are from Japan that have this spotlight that he does. And I absolutely think this is going to be the case. He will light the Olympic torch potentially for the Olympics that are coming to Tokyo. And I think that now 
This just sets the stage even more so because in the, the women's amateur, uh, a Japanese gal won, 17 years old. So what a monumental week for golf in Japan. And I had no idea. Those numbers really put it in perspective as far as golf courses per capita, just the craze for golf over there. But now at 29 years old, he is the absolute superstar for what? The, the Olympics are in late July, early August. So that's four straight months of absolutely having it. And uh, it goes to show you how impressive it was. I, I'm happy for a guy like Matsuyama. And you're right. The common fan out there, okay, yeah, Hideki Matsuyama won. That's great. This impact that it's going to have, and I think we can stem this into a, a legit conversation now, the global impact of golf. The for golf sure. is I know that we're two golf nerds, but golf has absolutely elevated throughout the last oh, year during COVID, during just sure. the last ten for years. Sure. For sure. It started with Tiger, but I mean it's been a constant process. This is another big building block to that. Matsuyama's win. We not might we might not feel the impact here, but globally, astronomical. Well that's why I, I was teasing that uh, how many golf balls did Scrix on sell lately. <laughs> oh yeah. But I mean here's the thing, Matsuyama that he he because of his star power in Japan and in Asia, he has been one of the top 10 or 12 endorsement guys on tour for a while now. I mean, he's got Lexus, he's got um, he's got Scrixon, and he's got one other big uh, endorsement. I, I I'm trying to it, I'm trying I to remember yeah. who, but um, that in itself, he's gonna. I mean, I bet you his endorsements double from from this Masters victory. I mean, at least. Lexus being made by Toyota, what exposure for them? Four days of him, especially on Sunday at the Masters and and Skirkson, I mean, they're sort of a fringe in America golf company, but this will give them the opportunity to to really infiltrate this market. So uh, I think it's big, but all, all this goes to say then, how does Matsuyama h- handle this spotlight, both from the, the Japanese media, the increase he's going to get from the American media, the a- increasing tension that he's going to get from the exposure? Uh, it'll be interesting because he has been a rising star for a while, but he has never had that breakthrough like so many of his other of his peers had. But I also wonder if the fact that he didn't have the breakthrough until he was 29 will help him handle it better. Because it's my opinion that guys like Jordan Spieth, Jason Day, Adam Scott, even Rory McIlroy, they all won in their early to mid-20s and haven't won at all since. And I think that the, the pressure, the burden of being that guy, the rising star who's going to be the next Tiger, Matsuyama's not going to have to go through that anymore because he's, he's already 30. So... That pressure is gone, so it's kind of a double-edged sword here. I think the the on-the-course pressure will be alleviated for him because now the monkey's off his back. He's won the biggest tournament. Everything's going to roll from him. As far as on the course and the performance, I don't see it. But the media request and the crave off the course, if he can manage that or have the right people with him where he doesn't become overwhelmed with what is naturally going to have him be the biggest celebrity in his country and just that area of the world, then he'll be able to handle. But on the course, I think that he's absolutely got it lifted. I was reading an article earlier today. Someone that obviously follows the sponsorship game from a national standpoint, they're saying that this win could be worth $500 million for Matsuyama over the next 10 to 20 years as far as just endorsements are concerned. I fully believe that. That is insane. That's Tiger Woods level. I I, I fully believe that because I think that in America, we get so closed in on thinking of the world at large as just our country, but the world is such a gigantic place that so many people live in the world that don't live in America. Seven billion people live on planet Earth that aren't Americans. It's really hard for some people to grasp that. Sometimes. But I, I've gone through, I've, I've, I've realized this from the sports memorabilia game, particularly trading cards. 
You want to know who are the best guys to invest in when you're buying trading cards? NBA basketball players that are popular in China and Japan. Because Chinese and Japanese people will buy sports cards. I mean, the level of obsession that that those cultures have with professional athletes is just, it's second to none. The the deification, the heroism that they pin upon them. And Matsuyama is going to be that guy for at least a, a moment in time. So we'll see if he can parlay it, but uh, a huge breakthrough and uh, I think a transcendent moment in golf because we've seen you know, a couple Spanish guys, Seve Ballesteros, Jose Maria Olathabo win the Masters. Sergio seen, Garcia. Sergio Garcia. We've seen some South African guys uh, in the past win the Masters. Australians. Uh, seen a couple Australians, sure, but this is the first you know non-American slash European slash, I guess, Australian, but first Asian from someone from the Asian continent to win the Masters, it's huge. It's absolutely huge for the sport and, and the way the sport will be marketed uh, around the globe. Nuana's now 1029 ESPN Missoula, statewide television, SWX Montana, Riley Corcoran, voice of the Grizz, joining me, Coulter Nuanas. Half a dozen playoff bids to the FCS playoffs were punched over the weekend. Give you the update on that. Weaver State won a fourth conference championship in a row. Do we consider it a fourth conference championship in a row? No. And more on... The Grizz quarterback debate after this, 1029 ESPN Missoula. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications. Connect to more. The Grizz in Portland State play the only Big Sky Conference game in the league this week, but it's not a league game. It counts for nothing. But it counts for something because it's football being played in the spring. Welcome back to Nuana is Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula, statewide television, SWX Montana TV. I'm Coulter Nuanas, Riley Corcoran, voice of the Grizz, joining me. So let's talk a little FCS spring football, Riley. The Big Sky released their six-week schedule back in January, and it was a six-weeks-over-eight-weeks deal where they had two uh, common buys for everybody in the league. Most of that was to cater to reschedulings in case anything had to get pushed back or rescheduled. We had a cancellation right off the bat, which then was rescheduled for what would would have been this week, but then Cal Poly opted out. So the Davis-Cal Poly game that was supposed to happen this weekend will not happen. Everybody else in the Big Sky Conference now then has wrapped up their season. And so uh, here's where we're at in terms of the Big Sky and the rest of the country. Weber State won over the weekend, so they are five and zero in this spring season, and they took big the, blowout win, right? They, <laughs> oh, oh, wait, okay. Sorry. They took the uh, the automatic qualifying bid out of the Big Sky. Riley and I have been arguing for about two months now about Weber State because Weber State is the they are the masters of the uh, the the eight point margin of victory. That's how they roll. But when you're sitting here and uh, you've won, I mean, let's do the math. 
27 plus 6, so you've won uh, 33 out of your last 38 Big Sky Conference games. It's pretty tough to argue with. That's dating back to the year before they won the Big Sky title, but they were 6-2, 7-1, 7-1, 7-1, 5-0. So Weber has got it rolling against league competition, even if it's never in resounding fashion. It's almost always uh, close, hard-fought victories, but they have the formula to learn how to win close. Here and there, we're getting to that in a minute. The other automatic qualifying bids that have been secured... Monmouth of the Big South, which, by the way, I think they have done a great job in building that program up. Uh, they were legitimately good uh, even in 2019, and it looks like they're good again. Came to Missoula. I'm, I'm noticing a trend here. Go ahead. The Northeastern Conference, Sacred Heart, is the champion. Came to Missoula. Is that right? Yes. It was St. Francis that came to Yeah, Missoula. Sacred Heart did way back, though. Oh, they, oh yep, right, they, right. They, okay. Anyway. When, they were, when they were a transition to FCS. That's right. Sorry. Yep. Jacksonville State is the Ohio Valley champion, and Sam Houston State is the champion of the Southland. And so those are the five automatic qualifying bids. Um, it was a, a great game by Sacred Heart to defeat number 25 Duquesne in overtime, 34-27, uh, one of the better finishes of the weekend. So there you go for your five automatic qualifying uh, teams. Eastern Washington right now is sitting at number eight in the poll. They look like, I don't know, would you say they have an inside track or an outside track on the playoffs? Or are they? Oh, I think they're in. They're in. It's, you, you a, think it's they're in? a done deal. I, I think that they might be number one, number two at large bid. I think... Five and one was the magic number. They've won five in a row. They got the best player in the maybe in the country right now. So I think Eastern is very, very comfortably in. And that's it from the Big Sky Conference, right? Yep, that's it. Okay. So Davis finished third, I think. Davis and Idaho finished third and fourth, if you're going by the standings. So a couple. Uh, how, Davis went what? Three and two. Three and two. Idaho two, two and three. And three. Yeah. In a, you got two wins. So it, Idaho State two wins, and then you had to come back against uh, Southern Utah over the weekend. It's been it's so funny because the first two weekends this was on, I was all about it, and then all of a sudden we had our own stuff like the Big Sky Tournament, the NCAA Tournament, Chris Football, Bobcat Football, and I haven't been nearly as engaged. I do feel sort of bad about it. But, but. honestly, though, this leads to a great point for someone that covers FCS football as good as anybody. It was interesting to me when all this got announced. Coulter was. How much buzz would there be nationally about the FCS? And I think overwhelmingly, the people think that it's underwhelming, if that makes any sense, right? No question. And so I think that now is the nitty-gritty where it's like, okay, is it going to gain some sort of traction? Everyone gets excited when a bracket is set in place, and you can kind of play for a championship. But overwhelmingly, to this point, there has not been that much buzz or excitement about FCS football coming into it. So... I guess not to sidetrack, but just to, to further the point more of, of someone that covers FCS football. Yeah, I mean, other things got, I guess, ahead in the priority list than FCS football did. Well, part of it, too, is just the unbalanced schedule. Even though they paired the teams down, there's still everybody didn't play everybody. So uh, when you don't have the Montana schools in it, that that definitely is uh, impacts the brand in a negative fashion. When you don't have Eastern Washington and Weber State playing each other, that also impacts the brand how did that in a negative not fashion. I mean, not to call anybody out, but how, how does that not happen? I, I don't know. You know that you have two, maybe three teams that have a chance to make the playoffs, and you want your league to have high profile. It, was there thought the whole time, if we don't have them play, then they can both make it? Because I mean, maybe. Then maybe. that's the only thing that's valid. Because as far as, like, crowning a true champion... I can't believe they didn't play. Either uh, I, I totally agree. I just, I don't, I don't think that, I mean, I don't know. We don't want to be too harsh here. No, we don't. I don't think there's enough acumen about the quality of the teams to even realize that. I think it's just pure and utter, um, oh, we'll leave it at that. Uh, the, I'm so interested to see what the the ramifications of this spring season are, both positive and negative going into the fall. I'm so interested to see a variety of different elements of this. 
does Eric Berrier stay at Eastern Washington? Who, because they had a, an unsavory or unsatisfactory spring in terms of the amount of playing time, maybe they expected who stays at their respective schools. I mean, this is sort of a, a you know, everybody's talking about the benefits, the young players playing, a guy like Tyler Vandervall, a quarterback from Idaho State, getting a lot of extra reps, getting the offense down. Those are good things. I think that the, the Bronson Barron kid from Weaver State, the, the freshman quarterback, Good. You know, Northern Arizona's got their Oklahoma State transfer at quarterback. Those guys get extra reps. Good. But there's guarantee you guys at certain schools that were mid-year transfers or drop-downs or, or guys that are coming into becoming an upperclassman that expected to get more playing time, now the writing's on the wall. Or, you know, what about the injury factor here? Who's, who's hurt? Who's not going to be able to come into the fall? There's a lot of different question marks. So I'm, so I'm so interested to see the cost-benefit analysis here. And I, I think that, again, you made the good point, and I think this is worth reminding people all the time. If you're playing football, you can get hurt at any time. It can be a non-contact injury in the middle of a practice. It can be a non-contact injury in the middle of – I mean, I saw I saw Kurt Davis, who was a transfer from UNLV to Montana State. I remember he and Daenerys McGee were throwing after practice one day, and he just leapt up in the end zone and came down in a hole on the practice field and tore his knee. And, like – there was not even pads. There was nobody on the field. They were straight up just playing catch like 12-year-olds, and he tore his knee. So you never know when it can happen. I also have, and this is a total tangent, but I've also heard so often for so from so many people, well, we don't want to play the play-up game. We don't want to play the money game. Don't want to play the quote-unquote body bag game because everybody gets hurt. I swear to you, in 15 years covering the Big Sky Conference, I've seen way more guys from Big Sky Conference teams get hurt against Division II opponents than FBS opponents. The faster the game goes, the less chance there is for injury. you got a way higher chance of injury. Like... When the car wreck is fast, cuts you in half. When the car wreck is slow, oh man, you're getting all jumbled up. The pile is all ugly. I don't know. I just that, that's her over there. But I'm, I'm just interested to see the cost benefit of analysis of this spring season. Me too. And just to, one more point on that: Reese Phillips. When Reese Phillips got hurt, that nasty ankle injury. Right. Who was it against? Mississippi Valley State or a, a SWAC team? So yes, uh, I I agree with the injury front on that. But uh, with with where the big sky is at right now, I mean. From a national, but we've asked this question week in and week out for Weber State. What is their goal for the remainder here? Do, do they want to compete nationally? Is this the year they feel they can? And then I ask you, can they go deep in this playoff field? Are they a top four seed? Because this year, that's another uh, change from the normal. They normally seed eight teams right out of the 24. They're only seeding four out of the top 16. That'll be huge for home games and everything like that. Do they get a top four seed? I think they do get a top four seed. I think it's the outright champions of the Big Sky Conference. I think you got to give them at least the four seed. Uh, every projection I've seen has James Madison as the one, North Dakota State as the two. And or Sam, flopped. I've or, seen. Or, or flopped, right. NDSU is the one, James Madison as the two. Sam Houston as the three, and then Weber State as the four. So I do think Weber will get a seed. I do think that Eastern Washington will probably get a good draw. I do think they'll get into the playoff field. One thing that was uh, talked about last week, reported first by Sam Herter of Hero Sports, is that the FCS playoff committee has confirmed that in most years you cannot play a conference opponent in the first round. We've seen conference opponents match up against each other like UC Davis and Eastern Washington did in the, I guess it was 2017 playoffs leading up to the 2018 national championship game. Uh, but this year, if you didn't play against each other, you can be matched up in the first round. So that does leave the door open for Eastern Washington and Weaver to play in the first round. But I don't think if Weaver got the four, I don't think Eastern would be low enough to get that first round draw. So maybe they're on the same side of the bracket and they play in the second round. I could see that happening. I, I don't think it would be a good look. They, 
I would think the committee at this point knows kind of what the talk is, the narrative nationally. That would not be a good look to just pair the two Big Sky teams together. Same side of the bracket, yes. Uh, I think that more than likely you're going to see both of them play Missouri Valley schools. Because I think, again, Missouri Valley, they kind of take the storylines. The, pe- the teams that are going to make it from the Valley, North Dakota State, South Dakota State, and North Dakota. So I think that you're going to see some sort of combination with your Weebers and Easterns against your North Dakota, North Dakota State, and South Dakota State, which could be fun in that regard because we're talking about the playoffs. What are you trying to do? We, we don't want a glorified conference championship. Let's try and play it out and see how the Big Sky does against other leagues. 5-0 in the Big Sky for Weber State, so that means uh, technically a fourth consecutive Big Sky Conference championship for the Wildcats. Uh, I, I, I understand Weber State is the least sexy team in college football, and I get why some people, a lot of people, say, oh, they're overrated, yada, yada, yada. But the fact of the matter is that if they win a playoff game here or two, they're going to finish in the top five of the poll after the spring season. That will be four consecutive top five finishes. They, If they make it to, say, the, the quarterfinals, that will be their fourth consecutive quarterfinals. If they made it to the semis, it would be their second consecutive semis. It's already the greatest run in school history. They only had two FCS playoff berths in the history of their program before Jay Hill got there. And now with this spring playoff berth, they're on their fifth consecutive playoff berth. So all that to say, though, I mean, do you believe in the validity of all these streaks extending after this season? Because I'm kind of torn. I think that you play who you play, you play who you got on the docket, and they did, and they beat them. But on the other hand, I do think that it's a truncated and somewhat illegitimate season because there are certain teams that aren't playing. I won't continue to beat a dead horse with this, but their last four games, their margin of victory were 5-5-3-5. I get it. It's on the schedule. They got it done. Survive in advance. I get it. But when we're talking about the validity of a conference title, everyone has to be competing for that conference title for it to be validated. Not only the fact that five teams opted out, but the fact that their only other good team, playoff-worthy team, They didn't even play. So, I get it. It's modified. They deserve the conference title. But as far as comparing this conference title to their previous three, that's where the asterisk is involved. It is not, absolutely not the same. It's definitely not the same. I'm going to flip it on you a little bit, though. I think you could say, on one hand, they they didn't play the only other quote-unquote good team, the only other playoff-ready team. I think, and I know this is my own proximity bias, but I do watch FCS football outside of the Big Sky Conference pretty frequently. And what I always see is I only ever see 10 teams outside of the Big Sky that I ever think that are any, as good as any team in the Big Sky. Consistently. Period. 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 Seriously. Seriously. I, I, like When I watch the, the Delawares of the world and stuff like that, oftentimes I always think to myself, well, this would be a pretty good game if they played Portland State or Idaho State. They're not that good, though. I always think that they're don't they, – the thing about the Big Sky is out west, because of the lack of Division One football opportunities for kids, you're always going to have guys that have incre- substantially uh, superior talent to the level that they're playing at. Most of the best players in the Big Sky are a full notch above the, the level that they're playing at. The Troy Andersons and the Sammy Akems of the world are – they're not just like could be on a Mountain West roster. They would be they would be good to great players in the Mountain. I mean, Troy Anderson would be an All Conference player in the Mountain West. So is Sammy Kim. Yes. I think they're All Conference players in the Mountain West I for sure. Too. I think Dalton Sneed is like a top five quarterback in the in the Mountain West, if not a top three quarterback in the Mountain West. I mean, he's a pro. He's really good. Same with Eric Berry. I mean, Eric Berry. Who in the Mountain West got better quarterback than Eric Berry right now? 
No, seriously. So I, I do think that, and and it, that same sort of trickle down happens at the other FCS conferences. But I just I don't think that it's it's as much. I, I know the Missouri Valley has this this reputation, and I think where the Missouri Valley dominates everybody else is I think that like the top five offensive line units in the Missouri Valley are substantially better than most teams in the country at the FCS level and could be, you know, group of five or even maybe power five. I mean, a couple guys in North Coast State are definitely power five type offensive linemen, but here nor there, I guess what I'm saying is I think that if you make the playoffs out of the big sky, no matter what the scenario is, I do think that it's it's valid and it's worth it, even if Montana Montana State weren't playing. Because to me, this is not necessarily the argument over the validity of the spring season or not. It's an argument over the validity of the of the Big Sky Conference scheduling period since the league expanded ten years ago. Period. Because you can you can say Eastern didn't play Weber, Weber didn't play Eastern. Well, these guys didn't play Montana, Montana State. These guys aren't playing. Well, half the time they don't play each other anyways. Well, look at next fall. Let's just go way out in front. There's about four teams that you could probably say are legit Big Sky championship contenders. Three, maybe four. Right? Montana, Montana State, Weber State. I mean, I think if Barry stays, you got to always have Eastern Washington right. in the mix. Yep. And I think that Portland State could be a dark horse. I don't think yep. they're a favorite, but I do think that if the chips fell the right way, they got the and they have a little bit of a favorable schedule too, and they stayed healthy. I don't think they're a conference contender, but I do think they're a, maybe a playoff contender. Well, Weber State and Montana are two of those three teams. There is a very likely scenario next year that they're both eight and zero, and they're both co-conference champs, and they never played each other. That, that's catastrophe in all of this. But it, it's status quo at this point, right? I mean, here, here's here's a statistic. But why do we accept it? Why? I mean, let's do well, something to change it. I don't really it. know what else you could do to change it. I mean, here's the thing. The sad truth is, and this is this is me being completely doomsday like I tend to be sometimes, but <laughs> the sad truth is that the, the, the alignment of the Big Sky Conference and the future of the Big Sky Conference is going to be solved by the COVID-19 pandemic, and it's not going to make anybody happy. There's going to be a lot of schools that are not going to participate. There's going to be some fundamental changes for Big Sky Conference schools moving forward, period. Whether that's uh, a reallocation of sport sporting budgets, a drop to a different division, a drop of a sport. There's a lot of things on the table. This next 9 to 12 months is absolutely pivotal for Portland State to maintain having a football program. It's pivotal for Eastern Washington to remain Division One. I, I mean, who knows what some of the other schools do, too. It's always this weird analysis because a school like NAU they're going to always be able to afford to have sports even though their attendance has just swiftly declined over the last 10 or 15 years because they have 30,000 students and they have athletic fees. So that keeps them financially solvent. But regardless, I do think that we could have some solutions to this unbalanced schedule, with, but it's going to be in a lot more messy fashion than just uh, a realignment or uh, you know moving these guys on from the league. What's the number? To me, it's 10. 10 maximum teams where you're playing eight or nine conference games. Well, so here, here, here's how I would... I'm going to tell you how I would do this on the other side. It's Nuanas Now, 102.9 ESPN Missoula, statewide SWX Montana Television. What, how do we fix the Big Sky Conference? I know you hate it when I talk about money, but that's the answer. The world may have slowed down, but it didn't stop. If you're back on the road and traveling to Missoula, we invite you to give Missoula's Wingate a try. We love our regular corporate guests and offer fantastic service, great year-round rates, and clean and comfortable rooms that will keep you coming back. While you're here, you can rack up the Wyndham Rewards points for free nights or airline miles. And starting in July, you can release some steam in our newly expanded fitness room. The team at Missoula's Wingate would love to make you feel at home And it felt so right Sleeping 
Welcome back. Juan is now 1029 ESPN Missoula, statewide television, SWX Montana TV. Be sure to go visit our Facebook page, Facebook backslash ESPN Missoula. Give me a little share, a like, a uh, comment, whatever. We're giving away this Grizz Greats painting. If you're watching on TV, you can see it. If you're not watching on TV, well, it's uh, all sorts of cool things. Main Hall from the University of Montana campus, the base of Mount Sentinel, the NCAA goalpost, Dave Dickinson, College Hall of Fame quarterback, Don Reed, Papa Bear, the best coach in Grizz history, although Bobby Houck is uh, etching out an argument for that. Andy Larson, young man from Helena who made the game-winning field goal in Montana's 22-20 victory over Marshall in the 1995 National Championship. This is a commemorative painting, one-of-a-kind, painted by Ryan Bagley, former Grizz receiver, and we're giving this away on Friday. So all I need is social media interactions, at 1029 uh, ESPN, excuse me, on Twitter, Facebook, backslash ESPN Missoula on Facebook. Go there, share it, like it, comment on it, all that stuff. And uh, we'll be picking a lucky winner. This is all close to a $700 retail value. So be sure to go uh, enter to win this great painting. And if you want a copy of it or you want a sweatshirt, a T-shirt, a poster, whatever, a print version of it, whatever you want, rbagley3.com. If you want to purchase it, great gift for any Grizz fan in your life. Okay, so... We don't have enough time to do both of these things. Good so thing I'm packed tomorrow. I know we're gonna we're gonna lead with one of these tomorrow. We're gonna hash that a little bit more. But Bradley, here's my solution to fixing the Big Sky Conference. I think that it, it comes down to, and this is where leadership to me is so important. It always is the most important factor in any sort of organization or entity. A vacuum of leadership, a gap in leadership, a crisis in leadership is the fastest way to erode an elite organization. I think that we've seen all of those factors impact negatively uh, the Montana schools in certain points in time over the last couple of years, particularly in football. And uh, we've seen it happen at the Big Sky Conference level as well. Uh, I think that the, the non-elitist and sometimes socialist mindset of the Big Sky Conference holds it back quite a bit. But I think that the way that you fix the Big Sky Conference is I think that you have to have a requirement. I don't know how you make the baseline requirement, but you have to be a Division I university in football in every level. In other words, you can't have a locker room that's two and a half miles from the freaking field. You can't have the opposing team changing their underwear on the softball field. You can't have... uh, non-functioning replay equipment. Like, you have Jeez. to be able... Like, you can't have a press box where you and Sunberg are sitting on each other's laps. Like, it has to be a Division One experience. You need to have a visiting locker room. Even if it's just like the brick house at Montana State, you got to have something. Like, you have to have real F- FCS caliber facilities. And so, Southern Utah's already on their way out. Problem solved there. To me, Northern Colorado is... I mean, I know it's a regional school, but they're just... They're not Division One in a lot of ways. They are... They, the Northern Colorado's in the big sky for everything but football because they're Division One in other sports, yeah. but they're just not in football. And so, you know, I mean, Portland State, I love how important State in the league. I think it's good for the league. I think it's good for the recruiting. It's good for the regional footprint. But they're, they're, that's where the leadership comes in. you got to go figure out a way to play at least three or six home games downtown. I know you're getting kicked out by the soccer team. Okay, play on Friday nights. Work with the league. Get some sort of real stadium where you can play and people can go and you're not playing at a high school field. So I think that's how you fix it. You have to be a Division One team in your uh facilities to be able to compete in the big sky. I love what you said, and and there will be story times on the show tomorrow of the press box experience or the game day experience at at certain big sky schools. But the question I want to pose to you before we say so long to feed on more for tomorrow, 
What about the two affiliate members? Is it time to maybe just say, you know what? Maybe you guys go to the WAC and that we are going to have 10 full-time members and that's what we're going to do. We don't need to do, we don't need to, at the time when those affiliate members were, were added, Coulter, it was the time, oh, we need as many, we need strength 16 and teams, growth in numbers. Conference championship right. games. Well, guess what? That's not happening. It ain't happening. And they don't benefit the league that much. I'm sorry. They don't. I love The go- Missouri Valley Football Conference was only three years old when that move happened and Doug Fullerton thought that he was going to lure Missouri Valley team, specifically North Dakota, North Dakota State, and South Dakota. It ain't happened. The Missouri Valley is a stronger league in the Big Sky right now, so they're not, they're not moving. So what's the benefit to having those two? I love going to Davis, and I love going to San Luis Obispo, but what do they do it, for the Big Sky? It benefits the league more to have those two teams be independent. Yes. Cal Poly was independent Non-conference forever. Non-conference games. Cal Poly was independent forever. They know how to do it. They can fund it. They can do it. It's better for their academic footprint, everything. Or join the WAC. Either way, I just think... Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org.